Hey everyone, I just want to remind you to make sure you check out the awesome people over at Anchor.fm. Of course, it is a great place for you to host your own podcast. And guess what? One of the cool parts is that it's totally free. Yeah, that's right, free. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your computer or even your phone. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many others. Trust me, it's so easy. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you guys want to get in on it, make sure you download the free Anchor app or just simply go to anchor.fm to get started. You're listening to the OK Fame Show, the premier place for all your professional wrestling news and needs. Now, here's Connor, a.k.a. OK Fame. What is going on, everybody? It's yours, Truly Connor, a.k.a. Hey, Fabe. Welcome, guys, to the September 17th edition of the OK Fabe Show, of course, right here on YouTube.com, right here, of course, on Twitch, Facebook, and, of course, on major audio podcasting platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning into the show as we're going to talk about all the shenanigans that took place on the aftermath of Clash of Champions, the uh, the post Clash of Champions Raw, and man, there is a lot to unpack here. Tons of stuff. Uh, I think, honestly, and I'm going to kind of jump the gun here a little bit, but and I might get some heat for this. I, I don't care. This is probably one of the best endings to Monday Night Raw I've seen in a long time. It was chaotic, it was confusing, but it was damn near entertaining, especially with some of the creepier factors. Fiends in the house, we got the King of the Ring finals, uh, so much to go over, and I can't wait to talk about it, you guys, but of course, I always can't wait to hear what you have to say about everything from Monday Night Raw, so make sure you guys hit me up in the comments, hit me up on social media, the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun jazz, and of course, make sure you also um, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell so you're notified every time we have a video dropping into your sub feed, that's right, and of course, if you guys missed the Clash of Champions review, don't fret, always check it out over on the channel youtube.com slash okfaber we went live right after clash of champions and what a show it was make sure you check it out and get my thoughts on it patreon we got some cool bonus goodies over on patreon i did post a newbie over on the recent developments with big cast over the weekend and the i rumored that impact wrestling is going to be going over to access tv well it's not a rumor it's definitely happening but the rumor might be buying roh we'll talk all about that over on patreon for all your silver patrons so go check it out links as always are in the description so Monday Night Raw was definitely uh, a intriguing show. Now I can't really confirm this right now in terms of what uh, if this is 100% true, but there is rumors and rumblings already that this Raw had no major top executives backstage, and then essentially the executive director was in charge of the entire show from top to bottom. And for those of you who don't know who that is, that is of course Mr. Paul Heyman, and I feel like that piece of tidbit information definitely showed as far as the way that the show flowed the way it progressed um there was a lot of really interesting things that uh i enjoyed not to say there weren't things that weren't uh you know possibly criticized for as far as the show goes so of course we had to start off with seth rollins kind of recapping what happened at clash of champions talking about his uh losing of the raw tag team titles his retaining of the universal championship but specifically being laid out by the fiend Bray Wyatt. Um, then, of course, before Seth can even go any further, we have ourselves, well, an edition of the Firefly Funhouse. Bray Wyatt decides to head up on the Tron and says that, you know, weaving, waving and greeting the Fireflies, 
He says he calls Seth his future best friend. He's glad he's here, and he's super glad he's okay. And, of course, Rollins takes issue with this, but Rambling Rabbit tries to warn him and tell him to run. But Wyatt continues saying people make mistakes and forgive, but he gets. Maybe that's why he said hello at Clash of Champions, and maybe he'll have more to say tonight. The Bray then disassociates, uh, staring into the camera for a long, long beat before laughing and jovially saying to Seth that he'll see him in hell. And then, of course, the thing that everybody started mentioning, starting to kick off the rest of raw was the graphics upside down hyping up the idea of of the matches later on which of course seth rollins and and uh bobby rude one-on-one or robert rude and then sasha banks and bailey taking on nikki cross and Alexa bliss in non-title tag team women's action but of course things were upside down so which really let me see if i can hold on i think maybe i can invert uh this whole no i can't I'm trying to see if i can do my now but i can't damn anyway so, of course, uh, we run into Braun Strowman walking around backstage, and, of course, he just says the next guy to step foot in the ring is going to get these hands. And lo and behold, it's the freaking tag team champions. So we see the tag team champions of the Revival with Rude and Ziggler. All the tag team champions are in the ring, or at least the Raw and SmackDown ones are. Rude begins saying that when he and Dolph decided to become a team, nobody could believe it, and he invites us all to take a good, hard look at greatness. And it doesn't take that long for Braun Strowman to come out and literally obliterate the entire tag team uh, championships uh, division. So let me just kind of <laughs> let me just uh, let me just make sure I'm, I'm perfectly clear about this, right? You know, there are things about this raw that I thoroughly enjoyed. This was not one of them. Okay, you have two crowned tag team champions, right? Newly crowned, just both won the championship, or all four of them just won the championships last night, right? And while yes, there was some tomfoolery with the Braun Strowman Seth Rollins when it wasn't really a major uh, major moment. And yes, Braun has the has all good reason to attack the Raw Tag Team Champions. And yes, Braun is a bigger individual and can physically manhandle them. So psychologically, that makes sense. Did you really have to do that? T- to me, and and I know this this is not anything that's maybe breaking news, but WWE has never really focused much on tag team wrestling, at least recently. And unfortunately, Braun Strowman literally just bulldozing all over the champions, no less, doesn't really do anything to help that uh, argument that the tag team championships really don't mean a whole heck of a lot. And unfortunately, that's exactly what I got from the vibe of this. Yes, I understand Strowman needs to still look strong after losing twice in a row at the pay-per-view. I understand that he still has some, you know, potential rivalry with the tag team champions. I understand that. But to lay waste to both your tag team champions, saying you wouldn't see this happen over the Undisputed Era. That's anyway, after a quick little segment with not us, with uh, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss backstage saying how they're going to take out the Boston Hug connection, we come back from commercial, and guess what? We got ourselves some action as we see Cedric Alexander and the Viking Raiders take on the OC and six-man tag. Not a bad match. I actually really enjoyed this one. Uh, I was a little surprised that maybe, and I thought my prediction was going to be maybe Seth Rollins teaming up with Cedric and Ricochet to do a six-man tag main event. Uh, but lo and behold, we have the Viking Raiders involved. So, I mean, hey, good to see them at least featuring not in a jobber or squash type of scenario. And not only that, they actually lost their first, well, I mean, if you want to count the tag team turmoil, this is their technically second loss on the main roster. But still not a bad matchup to feature all six of these guys with very similar styles. Um, a lot of great action between the OC and the Viking Raiders. I'm definitely looking forward to more of these two teams going at it. But surprisingly, the OC actually gets the win with this one after AJ Styles, of course, hits the phenomenal forum onto Cedric Alexander. Um, 
This comes back after Eric hits a uh, hit a big Saito suplex and a neck breaker from Anderson. Cedric hits a neutralizer, fired up blind tag from Styles, and of course, then he springs forth into that phenomenal forearm. Uh, the Vikings and Club Brawl in the ring, and then Eric and Gallo standing double leg from the Viking to the floor, and they just have a mean old hockey fight with as Warbeer climbs and, of course, does a senton, a senton atomico wipes all of them out outside ringside. AJ uh, top uh, up top as Cedric recovers, but Alexander cuts him right off. Hand uh, Hands punches in the corner. Avalanche Frankenstein are blocked and reverse into a second rope styles clash. Insane. Insane, and I cannot wait to, and I really hope, I know I said this on the pay-per-view review, but I really legitimately hope that this is not the end of the Cedric Alexander um, AJ Styles rivalry. Please keep this going. This is going to be good stuff. Hell in the Cell is not that far away, folks. Like I said, it's only three weeks away. I mean, hell, we've got a good chunk of matches announced for Hell in the Cell. Uh, Seth also did mention at the beginning of the, of the show, forgot to mention on that it is confirmed that we will see Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, challenge for the Universal Championship with inside the confines of Hell in the Cell. We'll, we'll talk about more of that later. But hey, really fun stuff. And again, we're in Tennessee tonight. That's right. We're actually in... Um, Knoxville, Tennessee, so uh, you know what that means. We have to see a good old-fashioned segment from our good friend, the mayor. Yes, that's right. We actually see a footage from earlier in the day with R-Truth visiting museum. Kane is also there. They chat for a bit before R-Truth thinks he realizes he's Larry Bird. Kane, or rather, excuse me, Glenn Jacobs, corrects him and offers him a personal tour by limousine. And we know where this is kind of heading. We'll get to that in a minute. But I want to really go off on a tangent here in a good way, in a very good way, about the King of the Ring finals between Baron Corbin and Chad Gable. I've been very critical about Baron Corbin's performances and just my uh, not big fandom of him. Um, but I will say that Baron Corbin winning the King of the Ring tournament, I am not disappointed. I was, I was disappointed with the general concept of Corbin winning the King of the Ring. Uh, but then again, thinking back to it, King of the Ring does make sense because it's more designed to, for a heel-like gimmick. Uh, you've seen, t I think, statistically, and I could be wrong here, statistically you tend to see more heels win the King of the Ring than not. It's a, it's a way to kind of reinvent themselves in some way. Um, I will say this, though. This match was fantastic. If, if you disdain Baron Corbin and hate him with all the, the, the passion in your heart, and I know people are out there that, that listen to me that do, and, I, and I, I can somewhat understand it. I'm telling you right here, right now, that you need to watch this match if you didn't on Raw. Um, now, I don't know if that's more of a testament to Chad Gable's ability to make Baron Corbin look that great. I think it's a combination of the two because Corbin's matches, honestly, have been very, very solid from the, from the near beginning of the King of the Ring all the way through. Um, I'm still perplexed as to why the hell they did this on a Raw versus Clash of Champions last night, but then again, 11 matches, so maybe I, I kind of get that. But either way, a hell of a performance from both men, and specifically, gotta give props and praise to Baron Corbett on this one. Um, they gave this one plenty of time, great action, amazing back and forth. I thought, honestly, Gable was gonna get the whole victory here, um, but I'm honestly not even disappointed that he lost. Not. I'm not mad that he lost this one. I think that Gable uh, put up a hell of a fight. I hope that Gable gets a very strong push after this um, because I think no doubt he absolutely deserves it. But Corbin uh, ends up getting the end of days after we see um, uh, Chad doing a uh, chaos theory, moonsault, back on the feet, float out at the end of the days, roll through, pick the ankle, and of course 
Baron tries to crawl, reaching towards the rope. Chad pulls him back into the rope, uh, into the ring, falls back, and then does the grapevine on the legs for the ankle lock. Crawling, reaching, Desperate Corbin gets the ropes, back elbows, tilt the world, and it hits the end of days to become. Um, again, I was not a big fan of Baron Corbin recently, but I'm telling you, I don't know what's changed. I don't know if it's the level of caliber and the performances. I don't uh, performers. I don't know if it's it's Baron Corbin had a motivation speech or whatever. But Corbin's performances in the King of the Ring tournament have me sold on him now, 100%. Absolutely fantastic. Cannot complain a bit. So then we go from that to the setting up, and I can't believe I'm I'm actually doing this. Yes. <sighs> The Street Profits are hosting the gender reveal for Maria Canales. Um, we see they're still presiding over the reveal coming back from commercial break. Um, uh, anyway, but anyway, Maria says the child has been assigned male and addresses her husband, Mike, uh, saying everybody knows that Ricochet is really the kid's dad. Ricochet begs off and says, while he would have, he not, leads Canales to challenge him to a match. He's, of course... Montel's Ford pitches a baby on a pole match, and yes, that's exactly what we get. We get a baby on a freaking pole match. Ricochet ducks Hilarion, and of course, uh, no, we don't get it. We see Mike Canellis versus Ricochet. Ricochet ducks Hilarion, begs off. Canellis wants to fight. Mike slaps him across the face, punch the neck, putting boots to him. Ricky recovers, shoulder thrust, kicks, springboard Larry, and of course, Ricochet gets the recoil and gets the pinfall victory here. Um, what? <laughs> okay. Okay couple of things here ricochet was in the king of the ring tournament and ricochet is a is a now former united states champion right a very solid mid-card performance when you go from doing the united states championship to this and, and mind you i like the mike maria canellis angle i i think it's it's pretty hilarious to see maria and mike trying to like win the win the approval of her pregnant wife and just the, the 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 calamity that ensues on both ends i think that's absolutely hysterical but to see Ricochet involved with the whole thing is, is extremely head-scratching, let alone what's going to happen later on in the segment, with it, uh, later on in this <laughs> rivalry feud, whatever you want to call it, um, civil dispute <laughs> between Mike and Maria. It's comical. I mean, you, 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 I think I enjoy this almost as much, or I, I should say this, I almost enjoy this as much as the 24-7 title stuff, but it's on the same parallels in terms of this type of humor. Like, if, if those of you who, like, hate these things or hate the 24-7 title, it's not your cup of tea. I get that. Fine. You hate it. Cool. Awesome. That, that's, that's your prerogative. But the reasons I like the Mike Maria Canella stuff is because it has a lot of the same comedic undertones that the 24-7 championship stuff has. It's almost the same idea. But anyway, we get a little bit more of the Firefly Funhouse, but this time Bray hangs a photo of guys the Fiend has taken out of his wall of friendship with their eyes X'd out saying he's going to go and find more friends. But we go back from commercial. Mike is sitting dejected on the apron while Maria continues to berate him. She says she's had enough. Uh, she's, she's thought maybe embarrassing him would get him to, uh, to defend their unborn child's honor. But she will reveal the real father right now. And here comes Rusev. Rusev. Rusev gets in the ring. Mike begs off and congratulates Maria to try and get her out of there and scave. Rusev freight trains him and throws him in the barricade and, of course, hits the Machka kick and then just uh, um, Rusev just wins via submission It's it's, it's it with the accolade. It's pretty quick stuff. So now Rusev is the apparent father of Maria's baby. <sighs> okay. I, I don't know if 
I, I don't even know where they're going with this. We haven't seen Rusev on TV in, in months. We haven't seen Lana around. We've already done the romance stuff with Rusev. By the way, I will say Rusev looks absolutely fantastic with that uh, Rick Rude mustache. Beautiful stuff. Uh, looks in great shape, honestly. I think some of the best, he looks in the best shape of his life. But, like, why? Like, I, I, I'm not willing to bash this thing completely yet until we know where this is going to go. I don't know if this is another the motivation ploy by Maria to try and get Mike to really defend the honor, which I don't understand why to defend the honor. Um, this is turning into a Maury Povich situation. I hope it doesn't get too diluted with this. Um, like, it's funny, but I, I hope I want this because we already had the match. Mike just lost to Rusev in like two seconds flat. Like, what? I, I'm speechless. Sort of. Anyway, we get another 24-7 championship video, of course, with uh, with Kane or, excuse me, Glenn Jacobs talking uh, or taking our truth on a tour of Knox County. Kane beckons a police officer over and Truth asks him if he's a RoboCop. He says he's not, in fact, a RoboCop, but he is a referee. Truth tries to run away, but runs into a goalpost and then actually, and are you ready for this? Mayor Glenn Jacobs wins with a lateral plus and becomes the actual 24-7 champion. So Mayor Glenn Jacobs Kane becomes the 24-7 champion. Only in WWE, folks, anything can certainly happen. Anyway, come back from commercial. We got ourselves a match between Cesaro and Rey Mysterio. Another very solid matchup. Cesaro gets on the mic and tells Mysterio they should have listened to his uh, to his kid, who he will beat to hell, just like he's about to beat Rey Mysterio to hell. Mysterio then attacks Cesaro, but he shrugs him off, and it's off to the match. We get the bell, and we get a little uppercut, uh, snap suplex off the rope, counter Frankenstein, puts the swift Superman shoulder first into the ring post. Um... Deadlift suplex off the top ropes and, of course, uh, blocked. Shoulder thrust front kick. Ray with a 619 to the kidney. And the suicide dive tornado DDT gets us to the commercial. We come back a little bit more back and forth between the two of them. We see off the rope 619 caught into a military press gut buster for a near fall from Cesaro. Straight suplex, another looking for the three amigos, but Ray reverses the last one into a Frankensteiner that sets him up for the 619. Of course, hits up top. Diving Frankensteiner countered reverse, and Mysterio wins with a Yoshi tonic. Gets it via pinfall. Great stuff. I think that this is... Um, I'm curious where the Rey Mysterio stuff is going to be going towards with the whole Dominic situation, like revving him back up. Um, but honestly, like Mysterio's been freaking delivering. And I don't know if it's because they're being very um, careful about who they pick for him. But I mean, he had that great matchup um, a couple of weeks ago with um, with uh, Grand Metalik. Great matchup with Cesaro. Another solid in-ring action match. Uh, but I just want to know where it's going to lead to. I don't know if it's just because this is to appease people who just like like they want the good in-ring stuff, which, listen, I'm all 100% in favor of that. But uh, out of left field, but certainly not complaining. Definitely one of the highlights in-ring-wise as far as Raw goes this, uh, for tonight. Sure. You go back to the Firefly Funhouse. Rollins has been added to the wall of friendship with his eyes crawled out and devil horns drawn in the portrait. And, of course, that sends us a break. Coming back from the break, we do see a hype video for the Authors of Pain where they talk about how hard... They are in their native languages. That sounds really wrong when I say it like that. It was a weird one because it reminded me a lot of the Aleister Black promo where he's, they're just kind of sitting in a dark room. They're in suits. And it's not anything um, really profound. It's not like anything like they're not yelling and screaming or whatnot. But it does make me intrigued. The Authors of Pain were such a dominating force in um, NXT. And it makes me wonder what they could do with them. I mean, you know, they're a hell of a team. They have... Uh, I don't think they've reached anywhere near their full potential yet. I don't know where they're going to end up as far as the draft goes. But, um, you know, reintroducing them slowly, not a bad idea. And kind of seeing where they go. I saw a lot of people making them comparison to the twins from Breaking Bad, which I thought was absolutely hilariously true. 
I could definitely see that freaking comparison. Uh, so cool stuff. Wait to see how it goes. Slow burn. I'm all for a slow burn. Of course, we got that women's tag team match, non-title, of course. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against the Boston Hug Connection. Very solid tag team matchup. A step up, in my opinion, as far as the quality of in-ring matches. However, it only really did so well because, well, Bliss was taken out. And as far as I know, as of this recording, the match or the, the injury that Alexa Bliss sustained, completely kayfabe. I have not heard anything official, but of course, after uh, the halfway point of the match, she gets taken out and it's Nikki Cross on her own. Uh, coming back from the break, Bailey's in control. Cross gets a jawbreaker off. Short whip. Um, boss, or excuse me, uh, Bailey with a lariat and tags to Banks. Whip into the corner, quick tags. Um, we, of course, see suicide drop kick and denied. Bailey goes uh, into the barricade, back inside. Cross lays Bailey out. Uh, we see suplex dragon screw, neck whip connects, but of course, Sasha breaks up a pinfall. Sasha tags in, small package catches over two. Fisherman DDT reversed into a lung blower. And of course, Boston Hug Connection win via submission after Sasha Banks makes Cross tapped out to the bank statement. Of course, Banks goes to get a steel chair in, but before she can use it, out comes Becky Lynch, chair in hand to make the save. They have a bit of a chair fight, stalemate, but Bailey evens the odds, but of course, out comes Charlotte Flair. She takes out uh, Bailey on the outside, and Lynch runs Banks off. And so, of course, we put a commercial break. The one thing I will say that was really funny about this whole thing was seeing Charlotte try and attempt to run down the ramp in high heels. Listen, I'm not saying that it was, uh, I'm just saying it was poor judgment to put her in heels to kind of attempt to run down there in freaking high heels. But she made the boot look good on Bailey, so can't really complain about that. But, uh, man, high heels and running down those ramps, I don't just not, whoever's call that wasn't in wardrobe, not a good idea. But anyway, we come back from the break, and uh, Sasha Banks cuts a locker room promo. She puts herself over as a star and challenges Becky Lynch to a rematch for the women's title at the pay-per-view. And then, of course, we go right into more 24-7 shenanigans uh, as we see Truth roll uh, stalking Kane and, of course, rolls him up to once again regain the 24-7 title. Kane goes to choke him, but Truth begs off pointing out that as mayor, Kane has too much work to be 24-7 champion. Kane admits these right, and they go enjoy the show together, which I was hilarious. We then see Becky then cut a promo right after backstage saying that she accepts Sasha Banks' challenges but upping the ante and they'll be battling inside Hell in a Cell. Now this one I'm kind of on the fence about. I was telling you guys in the Clash of Champions review that I thought maybe, just maybe, that they might do a false cut anywhere. But I'm not, I, I didn't think they were going to go for the full Hell in a Cell only because I felt that they was rushing it too much. Not to say that these two women cannot deliver, and no, it doesn't make sense. I think it does make sense in some aspects. There's a lot of history between the two of them, or horsewomen, et cetera, and so forth. Um, I argue that depending on how this all plays out, it could be better than the Charlotte versus Sasha one back from 2015. We'll see how it plays. Or 2015? 2016. 15? 16? 16. 16. 16. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I'm not necessarily against the idea of it. I just was kind of cut off guard because... Didn't think we were going to see uh, two women inside the Hell in a Cell so damn quick. But hey, maybe that's just me. What are your thoughts on that? Dana Brooke versus Lacey Evans. I'm not sure where things are going with this one. Um, Lacey Evans with a pretty significant quick victory here over Dana Brooke. Dana does get some strong offense in, so it's not a total squash match. But on the other side, uh, Lacey Evans looks like she's, of course, taunting Natalia as she won via a sharpshooter. So I guess they're continuing the whole rivalry between Natalia and Lacey Evans, which... I guess I'm fine with them doing another women's rivalry, which is, you know, outside of the championship, which definitely needs to happen. But this matchup, again, not really a, a strong one of tender. So just know that Lacey Evans got the victory here with Dana Brooke, and we roll right along through. We get ourselves our main event between Robert Roode and Seth Rollins. This one was so-so. Of course, Ziggler was at ringside to cause some uh, interference and shenanigans. And while the matchup was pretty solid between the two, it doesn't really last too, too long, probably about maybe 15 minutes or so. 
And what happens at the end of this is just calamity. You got to bear with me on this. And I, I'm going to try and go slow because trust me, it's a lot to break in. So of course, uh, we see Falcon Arrow by Seth Rollins uh, jockeying for position in the corner. Rollins with a buckle bomb. Um, we see a blackout. Then Ziggler goes to break it up. Of course, the referee calls for the bell. So Seth Rollins wins by DQ. But now we see a two-on-one beatdown between... Um, between Rude and Ziggler against Seth Rollins. Okay, with me so far? Cool, here's where things get going. Then we see Seth Rollins start to really come back and actually battle back against both of them, but then the OC shows up. Styles, uh, Gallows, and Anderson come in and now it's a five-on-one beatdown until, I can't believe this is actually happening, Kane, not Glenn Jacobs' mayor that we've seen in the 24-7 segments earlier, but Kane, masked Kane, came out to assist and actually... Took everybody out. Gallows takes a choke slam, and then Anderson and Styles take a double choke slam, and then Kane goes to call for the fire symbol like he always does. Lo and behold, the lights go out in a familiar pattern. Slowly but surely, the lights flicker, and yes, the fiend is behind Kane. Mandible claw by the fiend onto Kane, taking him down, choking him out, and then slowly crawling over in a creepy, like horror movie fashion, he. He crawls up slowly to Seth Rollins, cheek to cheek. Fiend stares down Seth Rollins, but that was not the end of the show. The end of the show, and this was the weird part. I had to like check what I was watching to make sure I was actually watching what I was watching. But they replay the Firefly Funhouse theme song, warped for almost two straight minutes after that moment to close out Raw. So the last moment you see on Raw is not Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins. It's the warped, distorted Firefly Funhouse entrance. Wow, that is a lot to take in. Um, and honestly, one of my favorite endings to Raw in a long, long time. Chaos, confusion at first, why Kane was there, but they're in Knox County, it makes sense. Just so much calamity, but I loved it. Raw, I thought this week was honestly a overall pretty damn solid show. I know that a lot of you are probably going to disagree with me for various reasons, which I completely understand. But I think that for me anyway, um, there was a lot to like about this. I loved the ending of the show because it was just crazy. It was chaotic. It was um, confusing at first why Kane was there, but then to have the Fiend attack him made more sense because, as I said in the Raw preview on yesterday's episode of the OK Fabe show, it wouldn't have made sense. It doesn't make sense for the fiend to constantly attack Seth Rollins. You have to kind of change it up a little bit here. Um, so to have him do it with Kane and be the scapegoat here may, kind of makes sense. It's a cheap way to make sense because they're in Knox County, but it it kind of as random as it was for Kane to help out Seth Rollins. It kind of interwove for the bigger picture. Like you, you know, for people like why the hell is Kane out there? Not really seeing the bigger picture as far as him being the sacrificial lamb. Or the fiend to get over again to attack another person that's done him wrong in the past, and to not touch Seth as much so that way they have something going pay per view match. Um, I thought the in ring action was pretty solid overall. Specifically, of course, the two big matches I loved was Cesaro versus Mysterio. King of the Ring Finals absolutely delivered one hundred percent. The other matches were okay. I think that the six man tag was pretty solid overall between Cedric Alexander or the Viking Raiders. See. Although Strowman taking out the tag team champions, Lacey Evans versus um, uh, Dana Brooke, the whole who's your baby daddy segment was kind of a little bit of a letdown. 
as much as I do love the Mike and Maria Canella stuff, I feel like it's going in a direction that is getting really, really campy, which don't get me wrong. I love really, really campy. I just don't want it to be this whole like Rusev's the, the, the legitimate father. I don't want it to turn into a Maury Povich situation, even though I like it for the goofy reasons. I like the 20 title stuff. I think a very middle of the road raw. I thought it was very solid overall, but that ending I'm telling you an ending to a raw can really make or break a show. And if you don't believe me, Go check out some of the other ones that are you've, you've thought are your best or, or, or you thought that was the best or you thought was the worst. And the ending can really do it. Ending and crowd reactions are usually two big ones for me that can really make or break a show sometimes. Um, but seeing Ricochet involved the whole thing and then Rusev was just strange. Women's tag team match was all right. Nothing to really shake, you know, um, take a good of that. But seeing the announcement of them having a Hell in a Cell match certainly makes me interested to see what happens in three weeks time. Uh, overall, I'd probably give Raw a solid 6.5 out of 10, maybe even a 7 out of 10, just because those two matches and the ending for Raw really got me excited. But will SmackDown do the same thing for me tonight as SmackDown emanates? So we see a lot of interesting stuff uh, going down for SmackDown as we head again into Hell in a Cell. We know that Shane McMahon will address the whole situation with Kevin Owens' firing. And we also know that we're going to see the official coronation of King Corbin. We'll see how that plays out. And of course, we'll recap everything that goes down from SmackDown tonight on tomorrow's episode of the OK Fabe Show. Again, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure you guys check it out again. YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and all your major audio podcasting platforms. Let me know what you guys thought. I'd love to hear what you have to say about Monday Night Raw. Hit me up in the comments. Hit me up on Twitter at OK Fabe. And I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about all that. We'll see you guys back here tomorrow as we recap everything from SmackDown Live as we roll on into Hell in a Sale. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I appreciate the continued love and support. Take care. And as always... Take it easy. Thanks for listening. Make sure to watch the OK Fabe Show. Follow him on Twitter at OK Fabe and like over on Facebook.com slash OK Faber. This is the OK Fabe Show.